Hey, we're back with Follow the Hummingbird podcast. Today, your hosts are Ari and Adam. As usual, we're going to hope to... Hello. Adam, Adam was waving, but since this is audio-only format, y'all didn't <laughs> see him. Uh, we're we're going to get back to doing this regularly again because we know that all seven people who enjoy this show really have been craving it, <laughs> really have been missing it. You know, it's it's sort of like, ah, oh, crap. What's a, good, what's a good example of a team? The second season of Firefly. You know, there's still some people out there that are just desperately waiting for it, that are sure it's going to come back, even though Nathan Fillion is not the same man. And I'm pretty sure some other people in that cast He's are. still pretty epic. But, I mean, come on, they did the movie. So at least we have some closure as crammed in as that might have been. Yeah, they killed uh, Preacher in it, which I know is a spoiler, but it's also not a spoiler. because Also, they never really explained his background, which they kept building up so much. I guess leave it in mystery. I mean, if you're going to end the show after a movie, you might like, well, why open up that can of worms? True. All I will say about that is I am a leaf on the wind. I don't get that reference, but I, I, I support uh, it nonetheless. We should maybe edit that out then for Firefly fans who are going to come harp on you for that. Oh, yeah. Well, good news is, as I started that joke with all seven of you, I'm sure they're going to harp on me no matter what. <laughs> um, but that being said, no, nah, I'm sure they have a good sense of humor if they're still waiting for Firefly to have a second season. Yes. Uh, but that being said, we, we sort of wanted to jump into this podcast today because we both saw a post by the financial guru himself, the smartest man on the planet, uh, Dave Ramsey, saying that if you're going to do a mortgage, get a 15-year. And he even uh, made a post about it with his, in the caption where he said, Mortgages are the only debt he approves of, which is another interesting conversation to have. Oh uh, but he said that if you're going to do it, do it in a 15 year, which, you know, I got to agree. If you have money, in fact, if you have the money, don't even go into debt. Just, just pay cash. But, right. <laughs> I, I saw a nice place in New Orleans, actually. And, uh, you know, I mean, it was like a cool million, too. But, you know, let's avoid debt. So I'm going in and I'm going to pay cash for that, right? Because debt's bad. And I'm going to take a full million two out of circulation that I don't have. But if I did have it, it's still out of circulation. And it's not doing anything for me anymore other than making me not have a monthly mortgage payment. So. Now, I will say this. I'll give him some credit. I will say that if you have absolutely no knowledge of finance or financial (laughs) education. um, And like, I'm not even saying this sarcastic. If you have absolutely no knowledge of finance or financial education, which many people don't because our school systems don't prepare us for life. They don't teach financial literacy. Exactly. Um, Less than saying avoid debt or going to the extreme and saying avoid all debt are certainly better than lessons that don't teach you anything about debt because you do see people cranking up credit card debt or racking up credit card debt with no knowledge of the impacts of that until they have completely ruined their score. And that takes years or even decades to pay off. Uh, People that go to job fairs, anybody listening out there that's ever been to a job fair and there are always credit card companies there, right? They want you to sign up and are they in there telling you, Hey, guess what? This 0%, you know, interest rate that we're giving you as a promotion at the beginning here. um, Once it's done, if you haven't, fully paid it well that accrued interest you are on the hook for that additionally it's gonna be up at like 29 percent uh no they don't they tell you hey guess what this is free money you're gonna pay now doesn't matter if you don't have it or not just pay now buy it you're gonna cover it later at some point and just don't worry about it right it it's not a big deal it just spend it and if you spend 
$5,000 in your first three months, we're going to give you 500,000 bonus points. Doesn't that sound like a great deal? Let's sign you up today. And that's all the information you get. And exactly. all of a sudden, you are 30 years old and defaulting. And now you're screwed for quite a long period of time if you ever want to develop any more credit. So, you know, it's a tough situation, but debt is not all bad. You know, it's a really nice way where you can leverage your assets into purchasing things that you can't afford to pay cash with. It just, it just makes a lot of sense if you're doing it with both eyes open. Yes. And that's where I was getting at. I was going to say pretty much my giving credit or due for, for this man ends with if you have to go in an extreme direction, extreme no debt is better than extreme debt. Is it? Yeah, extreme debt. I was triple. I was uh, tripping over my words there. But if you look at a wor at the world in a binary like that, you're really missing out on a lot of opportunities to. I, I want to avoid tacky guru language right here because we're not tacky gurus. But only spend what you can afford, <laughs> and never overpay for anything. And make sure that you always pay your bills on time. There we go. General blanket financial statements. But all I was going to say is like debt is, I mean, I, I almost look at debt as a hammer. You know, it's a tool that can beat you over the head or it's also a tool that can build the home you're going to live in for the next 30 years. Yes. Uh, and I definitely see it as, as a way where you're taking on uh, more money than you could pay at this point in time but with the promise that you are going to pay it off because you have a proven track record that you do pay off your debt, you'll elevate your current situation and make the first large purchase of your life, most likely a home, which will actually create your first substantial uh, net worth. That's the word net I was worth. looking for. Yeah. Your house is probably going to be the biggest purchase you ever make in your life. Um, but you know, dealing with mortgages, especially with things like first-time homebuyer programs, because right now, let's face it, we're coming out of a pandemic. A lot of people lost jobs. A lot of people lost livelihoods. People are on unemployment. Um, they are getting those bonuses, which we're seeing another issue with, obviously, getting people back to work in a lot of these service industries. But um, if you are not in a good-paying job, you might be living paycheck to paycheck, or, you know, you have something saved up, you never bought a house before, are you going to be able to put 20% down on a $250,000 home? Probably not right away, but there might be some first time home buyer programs out there for you. Um, you know, there's a lot of different ways that you can leverage those assets if you want to get into the homeownership game. Um, likewise, if you are an entrepreneur and you're looking at a business side of things, which is a whole other can of worms that we can get into, but I mean, really, when businesses look for financing, it's because they don't have cash, right? And there's different ways of getting financing. You can go to the bank and get a loan, traditionally, which is debt, and you are leveraging yourself now with the business. You can go out and get some potential partners funding that way, in which case, okay, you might not be in debt, but all of a sudden you're giving up equity in your business, which is your brainchild which could be something you want to do, might not be. Um, but just making blanket statements about debt is just so tricky. And if you are looking to figure out a specific action item or goal that you have, you know, car, for example, it's a smaller type of purchase. You know, we talk to people 
recently who were so against debt, never wanted to take anything out. They just took out a car loan. Why? Because they were offered 0.9%. How are you going to pass that up? It's essentially free money. Why would you take $30,000 out of circulation when you can pay like 400 bucks a month? Right. That's a very, not, not interesting, important point to bring up too, which is the market's always changing and you're going to be able to take different, you're going to be able to take advantage of different circumstances, different situations. Mm -hmm. I mean, the current interest rate levels means it's probably one of the most opportune times to make a large purchase, as you just mentioned with a car or if someone was to do it with a house. Um, you, and you cash outs now. And cash outs it's as well. cheap money. We're seeing a lot of people who did not have the ability to do things like kitchens, right? Kitchens are one of the biggest, uh, the biggest ticket items you can do on a house. But people are doing it now who might not have thought they could because rates have been low. So if they do a refi, a refinance with a cash out, the cash out is going to make that rate higher. But you know, if you do a 30-year mortgage on it and your payment is going up hundred dollars a month, but you're getting a lot more money that you can actually redo something in your house. That's a good use of leverage. You're using your house to improve your house. Which then increases the value, which then mm -hmm. increases your net worth. Yeah. And I, th I think also another point you're touching on, which is an important, which is one of the first things I learned in economics, which is the importance of utility. What, when you're studying the economy, what you're really studying are the preferences in scarcity. Um, and utility is the sort of abstract definition or study of the happiness of the consumer or the purchaser. They're going to, they're constantly looking for ways to optimize their utility in the in what you just described. You're saying taking on debt, optimizing your utility. I mean, that's a way to definitely optimize a person's happiness, uh, which mm -hmm. is ultimately what one's most likely trying to achieve with their money. Yeah. And it's not like, and we're not talking just debt when it comes to mortgages, right? Or car payments. You know, there are other items too that they can be big ticket, like student loans, which are a big topic right now in conversation when we're talking about debt relief and, you know, potential loan forgiveness at the federal level. Yeah, should we define loans. debt? Sh should we define so, debt before we go forward with the Well, with I mean, these? debt really is anything that you're borrowing, right? Yeah, it's I mean, uh, that's generally how I would speaking, it. that's how it is. So one one party borrowing from another and paying back principal plus interest. There you go. In a nutshell, that was some good nutshelling right there. Nutshelling, yes. Welcome to the Hazelnut Show. I'm your host, Starbucks. Give us a sponsor. Um, no, that'd be nice. Or Nutella, since we're shouting out to Hazelnut. I remember when I found out that I remember when I first read Moby Dick, and I was like, oh man, wait, this is where I get my coffee from. He was the first mate. No way. Not, and I had dreams of starting a rival company called Ahab. Ahab's nice. Coffee. Or Ahab's Spite Store. Tea. Yeah, Spite Store. Larry David with it. Nice. But um, yeah, I mean, if you want to start a Spite Store and you don't have the cash to do it, you're going to pull out some debt to do that. Uh, but I mean, seriously, when we're talking about things like student loans, right, that's an investment in yourself. And that's an investment in your future and future cash flows talking things like law school and med school, right? Some of the most expensive higher education programs that you can get into. And you are doing that with the mindset that when you graduate and you get that job, 
that you are going to work your tail off for and you know, you're prepared for that, it's going to work out for you and pay dividends. Now you're going to be paying those debts off for a little while, but uh, you know, ideally it's the trade-off of the cash flows and things like income-based repayment plans, which are awfully tricky. Um, there can be some loan forgiveness, but again, that's awfully tricky, especially with the, uh, you know, rates of people actually getting forgiven with it. But, you know, is it worth it? It all depends on what you're trying to accomplish with it. But when we talk about other things like consumer debt, that's where things get a little more tricky. Because if you're talking about buying a house and getting equity and increasing your net worth or taking out debt for education and you are gaining that knowledge, gaining that skill set and those connections to generate nice income for yourself for your future, that's one thing other than, oh my God, I see a solid gold toilet. I need that. And I'm going to spend $20,000 on it, right? Oh no, it looked cool. And they told me that I didn't have to worry about paying for it because it's 0%. And I got all these bonus points, but now that time frame is up and I'm paying 30% on it. And holy crap, I am never getting out of this. And uh-oh, I'm over my limit and I'm still paying interest and my credit is still growing even though I'm over my limit and now I can't use it other than paying off the interest and it's still barely touching the principal. So I think you're touching on an interesting point that we can definitely dive into a little deeper, which is it's not necessarily that debt is bad and a lack of debt is good. It's that debt has, there's good debt that can help you grow. And then there's bad debt that serve almost no positive purpose for you outside of the item that you got. Uh, how would you go about defining bad debt first? I feel like that's going to be easier to define. Kind of the example I just gave. Exactly. Right? Yeah. It's crap you don't need. But like, how uh, are people getting this? Because obviously you're not going to a bank and saying, this? I want a solid gold toilet. Will you fund it for me? Right. I mean, basically, if your credit is good enough, you can get a nice credit card and you will be offered nice perks on it. You will be offered. And how can you check your credit cards. score to know that you have a nice credit uh so you can check your credit score in a number of ways. Um, and there's things called soft pulls and hard pulls. When it comes to hard pulls, those are things you want to be careful of. Those are things when you're actually taking out debt. So if you're getting a mortgage, if you're getting uh, a car that you're financing, or if you're opening up a new credit card, those are hard pulls. Or if you're doing a background check for a job or an apartment and you're renting a place, uh, those are hard pulls. And if you have too many of those, really, you don't want to have any more than two over a two-year period uh, because it's kind of showing that you are trying to buy a lot of stuff that you might not be able to afford, right? So that's kind of the mindset. Lenders want to lend money to people that they know are relatively secure, uh, that it's a good bet, that they're going to pay the money back, or at least if they can't pay it back, they're going to be able to continue making those interest payments regularly without defaulting on it because uh, they can collect it you know they can put liens on it they can start um oh i'm blanking on the word <laughs> not siphoning we're not talking about gas but um basically they can take stuff out of your paycheck if you get bad enough um and essentially that's a really bad situation right there but when you are 
looking at establishing debt with those polls originally, it's going to happen and you're going to have to take that jump because they're going to have to check your score and you're going to get whatever card is available to you at that time. It's the best one. Um, how to check it though, man, we got really off topic there, man. I just, there's a lot to talk about on credit cards, so it's easy to get sidetracked. Well, well you, you talked about hard pulls, which can impact your Which credit can score. impact it. Soft pulls, which are not. If you have a credit card currently, just about every single credit card is going to have a tool on their you know, online banking site where you can check your score. Those are soft pulls. You can do that as many times as you want. You could check it 30 times a day if you wanted to, and that's gonna Im- not going to impact it. The benefit of that as well is there's something called free credit report, and you are eligible for one free credit report every year. The credit report is different from the credit score in that the credit score is literally just your score. The report has all of your transactions that you have made over that past year. And what's really good about that is checking in on it to see if your identity has been stolen. Because in the world that we live in, let's face it, if hackers can hack into governments, major corporations, and if they can shut down a pipeline um, fairly easily, they can access your information if they really want to. So aside from making sure that you are using things like two-step verifications, not using your birthday or your address or your dog's name for your passwords, you know, mix it up a little bit, right? To protect it. And also with your credit report or on your credit card um, credit sheet there, the little tool there, you can see if something happened where, oh, I don't remember opening up a line of credit to purchase a car. That wasn't me. I better call them and figure that out. Um, thankfully, there are measures in place that a lot of these companies have that they're going to flag that, um, but things can fall through the cracks, especially if they get things like social security numbers, if there's a phishing scheme and you give up your information, things can happen where they can get it and they can start using it. So free credit score or free credit report is something to do. Um, and then also on your credit card itself, uh, there should be a tool there for you to use. And so that's how you can check your score. And then you go with the score. I guess what I want to now go, go back to is also, because I asked the question on what a hard pull and a soft pull are. Uh, so people can check those scores because when you check these scores, that's how you're able to open up these new lines of credit. Um, and new lines of credit can obviously lead to you doing some fantastic things like qualifying for better insurance on your home or buying said home or getting a very favorable rate when you're buying a car. But it can also open you up to getting a lot more credit cards than you need, which are high mm-hmm. interest uh, debt. And, and I would like to go in that direction first. That's a good direction to go to, in. Yeah, to, to talk about sort of the dangers in that direction, to talk about how once, once we go down that rabbit hole, talk about how, ways that people can improve their credit score, and then to end it talking about the good credit that can help, that can actually elevate someone's life, or nice. the, good, the good debt that can actually help elevate someone's life. I love it. So first, let's go into the let's go down the rabbit hole right here. Let's go down the rabbit hole. Bad um, debt. Let Let's take that little cookie that says "Eat me" and just go for it without even thinking about what it's going to be. Because essentially, that's what we're doing, right? When we don't think about debt and we just go in blindly. So with credit cards, the way that I like to deal with it is from a concentration standpoint. 
because if you are too diversified when it comes to credit cards, you're not taking advantage of anything. If you have a card for 30 different stores, right? You got one at Best Buy, you got one at TJ Maxx, you have one at uh, Banana Republic. Ooh, you're shopping way too much at right. <laughs> right, but any of those. I mean, you go to the store, hey, you can, if you open up a card today, you'll save 20% on your order. Uh, okay, that's nice, but let's face it, is it worth it? Or is it worth it to get one primary card or maybe two if you are a couple? Um, put your purchases on that card that you know you're going to be paying for every single month so you're not carrying debt forward and not paying that interest and build up points in that one area. There are things like cash back, obviously, that might just be, you know, always cash back. You know, the Capital One card is, what is it, one and a half percent cash back on everything. But then you have things like the Discover card, which has bonus cash back on rotating categories in different areas. Likewise, you could get a miles card. It could be through one of the airlines itself, in which case you're kind of stuck with that airline. But like, let's say you get a Southwest card and that's all that you use and you only fly Southwest, you could be flying for free all the time. We're seeing that a lot right now in this pandemic. People have not been traveling as much but they're still spending things that they need and they're putting it on the cards. There's a lot of people that are probably going to be flying first class for free uh, between vouchers for canceled flights over the pandemic uh, postponed or just building up the points. You know, if you got a kid and you have a credit card that's got uh, miles on it and you stick that on auto pay for daycare, you're going to build up a lot of points pretty quickly. Uh, so that's a nice way to do it. But if you have 15 different cards, that's going to really kind of lessen the impact of the points, right? I want to buy this big thing and I want you to spread it all out over all these cards. So you're only getting like 10 points here, 10 points here, three points here. It's not really going to be worth it. But, you know, I mentioned before, if you're a couple, maybe you have a miles card and maybe your significant other has a hotel card. And all of a sudden now, you're doing your traveling and the points on your card are paying for the flight and the points on your significant other's card are paying for the lodging. So it can work out really well. But again, it's making sure that you're not taking on too much because another piece of this rabbit hole falling down is if you are paying on time, which is something, of course, they look at, if you're not using a lot of it, I mean, honestly, the sweet spot is less than 10% of your debt of your available credit is what you want to be staying under because that's showing the bank, whoever it is that, oh, we're giving them a lot of credit and they're using it, but they're not going over their limits. They're not spending out of it and they're paying us back on it. That's really nice. We're going to offer them more credits. And so all of a sudden you get a letter, hey, guess what? We just bumped up your credit card from 20,000 to 25,000. That's nice, right? Okay, great. Now I can do more stuff. Or you formed your habits, you're spending the same amount, you're spending less and your credit score is going through the roof. So there's different ways of doing it without falling down the rabbit hole uncontrollably. Um, it gets out of control when you stop paying attention. If you see a shiny new toy that you want that's way out of your 
uh, wheelhouse from your spending ability and you buy it anyway, and you're carrying that debt through, if it's a big purchase, that's going to stick with you for a long time if you can't pay it back quickly because of the accrued interest. But we went into homes earlier. We can continue on homes here. If yeah, you can you define accrued interest for those who don't know what that means? Yeah, basically it's the interest that keeps building on your debt. So if you carry that forward, if you have $10,000 in debt and it's a 20% interest rate on it, and you don't pay, you, you make the minimum payment. Let's say you got $10,001 or $10,100. The minimum payment is $100. You make the minimum payment of $100 and you still have 10,000 and it's a 20% interest rate. So all of a sudden now you're dealing with uh, accruing interest, which is going to be $2,000 right there at 20%. So that's substantial that is going to keep building. And if you don't pay that, it is going to continue to accrue. So all of a sudden now you're at 12,000. Then you're at, you know, 20% of 12,000, which it's late, so it's 2,400. 2, so now you're up to 14,4. But I thought I was paying it that. off. Right, now it's 28,80. So- But I thought I was paying it off. Yeah, and that's the thing. If you're paying the minimum amount of a credit card, the minimum due, it's not even scratching the surface of the interest. And that's kind of the idea, right? And they'll give you a ballpark on it. And you know, generally it's they're looking at like 30 years. It's okay if you pay this, <laughs> you know, if you pay this much on your $1000 purchase and you only pay the minimum, you'll pay it off in 30 years. Yeah, you're going to end up paying like $15,000 on a $1,000 purchase, but hey, you know, it, it, it's a cheap payment. You're only paying 25 bucks a month. That's the tricky part, right? But with the crude interest, it can be used to your advantage if you get a promotional deal. And getting into things like the houses, if you become a homeowner, or if you're a renter and you have, you know, the ability to do things yourself on the property, maybe you're doing gardening um, yourself and you want to get, you know, a nice lawnmower or something. Um, or if you're a homeowner and you want to get carpet or wood flooring in your house or vinyl, whatever it is, going to a store like Home Depot or Lowe's, right? They offer store credit cards. And on those credit cards, they're going to give you deals. Straight up off the bat, you're going to get a certain percentage off the top on any purchase. Above a certain amount, you can do some free financing for a set amount of time. But on top of that, they run different deals where they might have a promotion where let's say you need carpet for your house and it's, oh, wow. Well, they're offering me, since I'm a card holder, 0% interest for 24 months, two years. So as long as I pay this off in two years, all of that interest that's been accruing on that purchase is going to be forgiven. If you don't pay it off, you owe all of that. So when you're dealing with stuff like that, if you set out a budget, and it can be a simple budget, you don't even have to do a full budget for everything. If you're just doing a budget for your spending habits on your credit cards and on your debts, it's okay, I have to make this amount of payment each month to make sure that I'm done before the deadline, right? 
And as long as you stay on that schedule, you're fine. And the nice thing about having those promotional periods of 0%, you don't have to pay that each month if you can't. You just have to make sure it's paid off before the end of that promotional period, which is the key there. So if you want to front load it, you absolutely can. If you want to do a balloon payment on the back end, I wouldn't recommend it because that can get you into some trouble where it's, oh my God, all of a sudden I got to pay $2,000 and I don't have enough to do that and get groceries this month, right? Making sure that you're just aware of what's owed so that you can definitely pay it off before the end of it. Uh, it's a nice way to utilize debt because there's always promotional periods going on as long as you pay it off soon and you know that you're going to be able to. So, I'm not saying to go out and buy a solid gold washing machine, right? That's $20,000. But if you see a deal and it's like buy one, get one, and they're giving you, you know, a year of 0% interest, that could be really nice if it's like a $1,000 purchase. So it sounds like what you're saying is even the advice that credit cards are destructive is not always the case. Oh, advice on credit cards, pay with credit cards, everything that you know, you will be able to pay off at the end of that statement period. You do not want to carry a balance forward because that's going to accrue interest. If you have to, and there's no other way of doing things, but you might need something. Let's say you need a, a new computer for work. You started a business, you need a computer, you can't afford it out of pocket. They're not giving you 0%, but they might be giving you like, you know, a lower rate over this promotional period of time, or they're giving you like bonus points. Just making sure you're paying it off soon because the sooner you get it paid off, the less interest is going to accrue obviously, but it's also not going to be accruing on that bigger number. If you pay the minimum, that number is not getting smaller. It's getting bigger and the interest rate, you know, if it's 20% of 10,000 or 20% of 50,000, it's the same percentage but it's a lot more on the $50,000, right? Much more. Substantially. So when you're dealing with that, if you know that, okay, they're giving me this, I don't want to keep this going, but I ha I'll have the ability to pay this off in three months because I have business lined up and it's going to come in and I'll be able to pay it off then. Okay. Get some of it going in there, start paying it down. And once those inflows come in, you can pay the thing off. Um, it's just making sure that you're not carrying a lot of debt forward because not only is that going to be hurting you out of pocket, it's also going to be hurting your credit score because credit card companies and just lenders in general don't like seeing balances on cards when they're offering new lines of credit to people because it's, well, are they actually going to pay this back? Are they a risky investment for us to lend money to? Which makes, um, which makes sense. I just think what you're saying is so fascinating is that we went from saying that an individual is saying all debt is horrible to saying that there are even strategic ways to navigate credit card debt, which is long considered one of the worst debts to grow. Now, obviously, you're not telling anyone to go out there and spend beyond their means, but it sounds like no. what you're saying is you can strategically use credit cards and as long as you're paying it off within a timely manner, you're actually improving your life. Absolutely. And the other thing about that too, you know, I mentioned daycare earlier. 
if you pay for daycare on a credit card, because that's a big expense that people have, if you pay for that on a credit card, and that's like a point card in some way, shape, or form, or cash back, that's really nice that you're getting that back. And that's why, personally, I, I don't like paying for things with cash. I, I spend within my means. I put just about everything on a credit card, and I gain a lot of points for that. And then I can basically fly for free to places. I'm not overspending. I'm spending within my budget. But when it comes down to it, when you pay for something with cash, <laughs> you know, it's funny. When you buy something with cash, you're getting what you paid for. That doesn't sound bad. That sounds like what, you know, happens in this reality, right? Right. But if you pay for something with a credit card, you get the item you pay for plus a bonus. And if you think about things like Ebates, right? Or what is it called? Rakutan. Um, my, my daughters love it when I, you know, make that noise. But no, Rakutan or whatever it's called. Or a Honey, the Honey app that I've been seeing, like on the plugin on Google Chrome that's like, you know, going to find you all the coupons. Same deal. Cashback, coupons, whatever it's going to be. Same idea with a credit card. You're getting something in addition to what you're buying. So your advice with the credit card is if you use it, pay it off immediately, and then you are, you are putting yourself, if you can afford it with cash, you can afford it with a credit card. And if you can pay, use a credit card and then pay it off that night, you're in a better place. Yeah. And I mean, some people do that too. Some people won't wait until they're under the statement to just pay the whole thing. They'll just make a purchase. As soon as it posts, they'll pay it off. And so they just are always at a zero balance. And, you know, that's something that can freak people out too. It's like, you know, you see your credit card bill, let's say your credit card bill is a thousand dollars and your billing period is from what it, let's just make it random. Let's say it's from like the 15th to the 14th or something like that. Right. So the 14th comes around, the billing period's over and you owe a thousand dollars, but you see on your credit card statement you're actually at 2200 right? So when you pay off your bill, you're still like, oh my God, I still have $1,200 on there. I'm carrying a balance. No, you're not. And that's the timing of it, right? It's all about those statement dates. So as long as you're paying off your last statement amount, your last statement balance, that's what you need to do because the additional is after that statement. So that's on your next statement. So even if you don't see zero, on your credit card, that is not really going to be impacting your score as far as carrying a balance because it's not technically carrying a balance. It's just using your card in each statement period. Fascinating. I really am learning a lot right now talking to the credit card expert over here. Uh, is, but so that, that, was, that, that was an interesting spin on what we just described as bad debt because you, you even found a way to, to, to say that bad debt doesn't have to be all bad and that it can actually advance your place in life. Uh, now let's talk about ways of, you, you sort of touched on it, but I would like to just get it as a, a clear segment, ways that people can improve their score so they can really take advantage of a good credit line. Yeah, I mean, ways to improve your score. And what's fun about this too is there are tools out there that can help you do it. And I'm not talking about things like, I won't mention names, but there are 
companies out there that do a lot of advertising and it's like, you know, you can raise your score, uh, you know, for free and you know, it's great. You're going to go up to 800 overnight and they show like a little, you know, clip of, you know, somebody on their phone and they're just swiping their score up and all of a sudden their like little beater car turns into a Jag overnight. Right. It's like, no, 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 no. It doesn't happen like that. It takes time to build your credit score. One of the trickiest parts of it too, that they look at is length of oldest card opened. And for a lot of people, it's not that long, especially if you were younger, because you might not have had a card as a kid. Most people don't have a credit card as a kid. But if you do have some kids, uh, you know, maybe think about putting them as a user on your card with a limit. And maybe that's their allowance. So they're not only learning how to use a credit card properly, but now they have established credit and they have that opened. Because when you're looking at length of time, if you're looking at, let's say, you're not going to be excellent unless you had a card open for 25 years. That is not something that happens overnight. Likewise, if you're looking at other pieces that go into credit score, that's amount of credit, amount of total credit. There's also something to look at about credit available to you, which is where I was talking about less than 10% use, right? Let's say you have $50,000 worth of credit total which again is not going to happen overnight, but something that's going to help you get into that excellent score area. If you have $50,000 available or not available, if you have $50,000 credit total and you're currently using $48,000 of that credit and you're not paying that off, that's going to set off some flags and that's going to drop your score. But if you have $50,000 in credit and you're using 3000 at any given time, that's going to help your score go up pretty substantially. And it's just making sure that, you know, I, I hate to say the whole spend within your means because it's such a generic blanket financial statement, but it really kind of is what it is when it comes to building your credit. Spending within your means, making sure that you're not carrying a huge amount of debt at any given time relative to the amount of debt that you have total, um, not carrying balances forward, not having too many hard pulls, um, I mean, no joke. I was talking to somebody, they had excellent credit score. They applied for a credit card and they got it. No problem. It was like a platinum card. It was exactly what they wanted. They wanted to get another card to supplement that card and they got denied. It was the same day, but there had just been a pull and that impacted it. And it was, well, why is that really impacting me here? Well, because you just had a pull, and if you're out there getting a lot of pulls, especially if you're ever uh, denied on a card and then you look for more, why are you looking for so much debt? That's what they're asking themselves, right? What do you need all this credit for, especially with your income? Because they are going to be looking at your income. If you're making $30,000 a year and you're looking to apply for credit, that's $60,000, are you going to be able to pay that off in their eyes? Uh-uh. Not in any timely manner, especially with actual expenses that might not be able to be put onto a credit card, right? If you're renting a place, I'm pretty sure the landlord is not going to accept plastic. <laughs> you know, they accept checks. So 
you know, it, it's tricky, but it really is strategically targeting cards and slowly growing your credit over time um, because it will go down. When you make big purchases, if you buy a car, if you buy a house, your credit score, it might have been excellent. All of a sudden now it might just be good. But guess what? It probably doesn't matter because you got excellent score. You used it for the purchase that you wanted to make. And now you're not going to make any more big purchases that are going to need to have your credit pulled. And that's why it's important to spread it out and plan for things, right? So things like a cash out, for example, on a mortgage. If you do a refi and a cash out, you're probably only doing that once in the next foreseeable future, right? I was going to say next couple of years, but really it's the next foreseeable future. Um, you're not going to refi every yeah, year. From so. what I from what I read, it was... Um... Not, not even refi. I mean, you're, yeah, you're not going to refi because you're not going to refi one unless rates are probably lower than they currently mm -hmm. are. Um, and, and but two, even like a HELOC yeah. or, or a line of credit on your home equity, right? There's different ways of doing it. The, the, the reason why I like talking about the refi and the cash out, if you're dealing with a traditional mortgage, you're dealing with a fixed rate. So you're locking that rate in for the term. Which I think, think is a good segue. I just want to make yeah. it official. I want to now go into building or yeah growing your net worth with debt and what that actually means for your life growing your net worth with debt and what it means for your life i mean it it's a lot of things if we're talking personal you know when we're talking about the house and you know we talked about it before you're if you're adding equity into your home with your home that's leveraging yourself very nicely um likewise what a lot of uh, people do who own multiple real estate properties, they're looking at income properties or flipping houses, for example, they generally will take their current property and leverage that, use that as debt to purchase their next property. Because let's face it, most people aren't going to be able to go out and buy multiple properties out of pocket or get approved most. for multiple mortgages. Well, if you're Jeff Bezos and you can have a half a billion dollar yacht with a mini yacht for your, uh, you know, helipad, a little different. Yeah. What, what, what are you doing payments. if that's your priority in life? We should get back to talking about mortgages. But what are you doing if that's your priority in life where rather than, I don't know, helping the world, you said, I need to get a mini yacht for my gigantic yacht. I mean, this is a man that could literally come to New Orleans and buy it. And he yeah. said, I think I'd rather have a yacht. Yeah, I mean, I guess that could be helping some people because he's farther away from people. But um, I'm sorry, Jeff, I know you're listening because I do have an Alexa in my house. So you're always listening. Uh, I'm sure Tim Cook's listening too with my iPhone right next to me. But crazy the world we're in right now. But beyond that, you know, jumping from the personal side to the business side too, when you're building a business, you're probably going to be accruing some debt that first year of that business, it probably is going to be in the red or break even. Um, and honestly, that <laughs> it, it's not a bad way to have your first year to keep your profits extremely low, uh, especially as you're growing your business. But when you're dealing with that, let's say for instance, you start a company that is going to be manufacturing. What's a popular thing right now, Ari? Um, I random, don't know random, random fun drones, 
drones. Okay, you want to start manufacturing drones instead of going on to AliExpress and buying drones that you're now going to sell on Amazon. Uh, you decide that you want to actually get into the drone manufacturing game, but you need to buy a factory. You need to hire contractors. You have to hire engineers to build the drones and you have to purchase the pieces, obviously, right? You got to purchase the material. Uh, unless you come from money or had some sort of windfall lottery or, you know, Billy, not Billy Madison, um, big daddy style, right? He was, he was well off because he got hit by a truck or something at McDonald's and, you know, he was living off of that. So unless you have I mean, Billy some, Madison, he was well off because his well, dad yeah, ran a his hotel. His dad was just rich. Yeah. yeah. Um, but if you're not able to go out and purchase those things in cash, you're going to have to take out debt for that. Right. But what you're using that debt for is building your business, which in turn is going to turn into positive cash flows, ideally, right? Which is going to look forward in ideally a sustainable manner towards creating a nice, comfortable future for yourself, your business, your employees, and also your customers who all of a sudden love your drones that they're flying around everywhere. So without debt, that never would have been possible. Correct. I, I suppose. C -c Correct. Right. Could, well, you you gave a few other you gave a few examples. I mean, you we got get, a little off on the you Adam you could get slide. you could get hit by a bus or you could be born into a lot of money. Well, I mean, yeah, if you're doing that, then do whatever the heck you want because you know, privilege. <laughs> so, I mean, that's kind of it, right? You can do whatever you want and. You know, maybe there'll be some repercussions but, if you do something really bad, but... Just to tie it all in together, what you're saying is in order to have created this business, you need to take on debt. Right. Or you take on partners that are going to be funding it for you, in which case you're, you're giving not up taking on debt, but you're giving up equity in your business, which that is a question that entrepreneurs have to answer every single day. Do I want to take on a partner or do I want to take on debt? And... <laughs> You know, depending on who you are and your personality and likewise what the potential partners are. Well, we're talking opportunity costs now. We're talking about opportunity costs, which is what's more expensive, the, the lack of gains from the equity for, for, from assets minus like debt obligations or the um, debt itself. Or not, not that. No, can I, I just, what, what, what's, what's more, what's more expensive? Uh, the loss of equity to partners or the uh, loss of gains to debt. Yeah. And that's a whole other can of worms about, you know, making sure that when you get into a partnership, it's the right people, because let's face it. If you give up equity, it's hard to get rid of somebody if it doesn't work out, if they are now an owner of that business. Um, and it can be expensive with debt. That's on you. If it doesn't work out, well, <laughs> you might file for bankruptcy, <laughs> but you know, it's on you. So, you know, it, it's, it's not all in one way or another. And there could be a combination of them. I, I, I really don't want to get into blanket generalizations because it really there's no real 
general advice to give on that because each situation is so specific to what's going on. Um, but it really is just doing your research, right? Seeing what you want to do. I mean, especially if you're going in for debt for a business, the first thing they're going to ask you is what's your, let's see your business plan. Well, can I ask so, why buy yeah. a house real quick? Cause that, that's how we started this conversation. Uh, why buy what, a house? Why, why is that such a good reason to go into debt? It depends on who you ask. Not everybody's going to want to buy a house. Some people are going to want to rent and there's pluses and minuses to both of that. If you're renting, it's nice because guess what? If something happens in your house that you are renting or your apartment, you're not on the hook. That's the owner of that property. Do you have to shovel the snow out if it's a big storm? No, that's the owner. Do you have to deal with a gas leak? No, that's the owner. If you are the owner, you got to deal with that stuff. But now you also have equity in that house. Um, it, it's not for everybody, but for the people that do want to own a house, it's also about making sure that you're getting a place that you can afford. And we saw this back in the mortgage crisis. What happened there? Oh, you're making $30,000 and your expenses are $20,000. So when you're talking about net after taxes, you're barely breaking even and you're living paycheck to paycheck. Well, you know what? That's okay. You seem like a nice guy. So I'm going to say you're pre-approved for this million dollar home. Don't worry about it. It's, you know, $6,000 a month on the mortgage, but that that's including escrow. So, you know, that that's fine. Uh, that's what happened, right? People had multiple houses that they could not afford and they were foreclosed on. They couldn't pay it. But if you're going in, both eyes opened and you know, okay, here is my top that I can purchase. I can max out at 250 or I can max out at 180. If there's a bidding war, well, go to your limit if you really love the house, but don't go over. And if you are gonna go over, make sure that you are going over just enough that you can still afford it and you're willing to make the sacrifices that come along with it. Okay, well, our you know monthly cost is gonna go up 100 bucks if I do this. So I guess I'm gonna have to cut out my Starbucks runs every day, right? Things like that to sacrifice. I'm going to have to cut out my, <laughs> you don't want to cut out your Netflix subscription. Nobody's going to do that right now. No, but, but you're going to, you're going to make sacrifices yeah. to meet your monthly payments. And in return, you're, you get a property. And that property that, has what impact on, on, on you? Would, would you say that you're now worth that property plus your salary plus any right. other, like that's an hour minus the liabilities minus, minus, liabilities. minus the liability but you're building equity every time you make a payment on that you're building equity in that property and it doesn't necessarily even have to be a forever home right if you want to be a homeowner and you want to invest in something that you want to then turn around and be able to put into another property in maybe five years or so well you could put it into the stock market you could see how that goes for you over that five-year period and allocate a certain amount for that, uh, knowing, yeah, I'm going to take this much from my investments, whatever it turns out to be. This is my goal. I'm going to take this and put it towards a down payment. Or it could be, all right, we're in a market right now that is depressed. 
it is slowly climbing up and catching up with, you know, the areas around it. Uh, but it looks like it's a good area to buy at the moment. I'm going to get in there. I'm going to make this purchase. I'm going to get this house and I'm getting a mortgage on it for, you know, $150,000. It's a 30 year in five years. You sell that for 250,000. And let's say you paid it down and you have a hundred thousand dollars left on the mortgage. So all of a sudden now, if you clear, let's just say you clear 150 after all said and done. And now you want to buy a house that's $300,000 and you're moving there. You have 20% down payment. You have money that you can put into renovations or appliances or furniture, or whatever you might need for that new house. And you probably are going to have money that you can allocate towards savings and investments for other purposes. And you're diversifying your assets. So it's a really nice way to diversify yourself in different areas using good debt. And I think that's a perfect place to end it because what you just described is using debt, not to catapult your wealth overnight, but using your debt strategically over a time span of, I double check the numbers to make sure. I thought it, I thought the average is 12. I've, I've seen that the average is anywhere between 10 to 13 years from buying to selling a home. So using that debt strategically over the course of most likely a decade to take a substantial step in your life from maybe a first property to a forever home. Yeah. And what you are working with is instead of spending that decade, and I'm not saying that anyone listening to this should do this, but if you would rather own a home and take the steps towards owning your dream home, buying a home and, get, and getting that equity in something tangible that you can then sell instead of spending those 10 years renting, that's one way that you can take that substantial step up. Yeah. Through debt. Nice nutshelling again. Thank you. And with that, we are going to wrap up this segment on debt. It seems like Adam has a lot to say about credit cards. So for our next episode, we'll probably just dive deep into credit cards. As always, thanks for coming back. We're happy to have this podcast back. We'll see you soon. Bye, everyone.